From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Beirouz Bachani spent six years detained on Manus Island, a victim of Australia's Pacific Solution. Last year, he was granted refugee status in New Zealand and since then has used his freedom to advocate on behalf of the hundreds of other asylum seekers detained by Australia. One group of detainees, the Murugupan family from Biloela, were recently moved from Christmas Island into community detention in Perth. But while there's been movement on their case, why hasn't the same happened to others still trapped by Australia's immigration system? Today, writer and former detainee Beirouz Bachani on the refugees we aren't speaking about and the reasons why. Hello. Hi, Beirouz, I'm Ruby. Yeah, hello. Can you hear me well? I can hear you well, yeah. Are you in Auckland? Whereabouts are you? Uh, right now, I'm in Christchurch uh, city in New Zealand. So actually, I'm not in the home. I'm in just uh, quite outside. Yeah, it's uh, raining now. So just I'm sitting behind the uh, window. All right. So you're sitting down and are you are you ready to go? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it, yeah. There is public pressure recently forced the Australian government to release the Murugupan family into Perth, into community detention. Can you tell me what you thought when you heard that news and, and how you processed it? Uh, so this story uh, I was familiar with. So, I mean, many people in Australia have been, you know, following this story for at least two years. The couple and their two children were taken by Border Force officers three months ago from their central Queensland home and placed in detention. Since this occurred, there's been a vocal campaign run by Billawila locals who adore this family. Images of four-year-old Tharnika displayed on billboards in Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. So of course, is uh, emotionally is difficult when you hear, you know, anything about this family and the kids. Please help us to get her out of detention and home to Bilola. But that remind me of uh, other refugees, you know, of the people who are in the community, who are in the community detention, uh, refugees who are under. Uh, pressure even inside the community even when they are free and remind me of the system that always chase the refugees even when they uh, you know if they make a small mistake you know if they pass the red light you know they arrest them and they put them in the camp for ages so i mean people think that they are free but actually they are not free because the system exists there the system chase them And do you see a comparison, a, a contrast between the way in which the system operates and the way that the Australian government talks about it, particularly in what they've said about their decision with the Murugupan family? Because it seems like they were really framing that decision around compassion, saying that what they were doing was compassionate. So what do you make of that? Yeah, you know, the Australian government always try to show 
when they are under pressure by the public and they have to, you know, the public, the people force them to make a decision and uh, do something for the positive for the refugees. They just uh, justify that and they say that oh, we have compassion. But today I've made a compassionate decision uh, to obviously reunite the family in Perth and allow them to live in the community while all remaining matters are heard. They justify it under uh, principles like uh, humanity and morality. They hide themselves behind that. There are plenty of people we do owe protection to and we have a very compassionate approach and we offer protection and they get temporary protection in Australia. They always say that because we want to save the life on the sea, because we don't want to see people are dying on the sea. We've got to remember that when people smugglers apply their trade in human misery, people die, our borders are unmanaged, and that has a great cost and consequence. So this framework has stopped the boats entirely. It's meant that all children... And that is really unacceptable because what they are doing, actually, they are torturing. This system is killing people, you know. This system has uh, traumatized people, you know. But always the Australian government just hides itself behind the uh, morality. But in fact, in my perspective, Australian government is a criminal. Yeah, it's criminal. And hearing you talk about this, it reminds me of other times in which we've seen similar rhetoric. I'm thinking particularly of the um, the Kids Off Nauru campaign. And I wanted to ask you about these campaigns, if you think that there is a problem when they're specifically focused on children or on individual families and whether that has the effect of of essentially letting the Australian government off the hook for their systemic refugee policies. Yeah, I, I actually, I think it's a very important question. And it's really difficult to talk about this because if someone like me or people who are working in this field, if they raise this issue, I think people put pressure on them and they say that, oh, we are doing this amazing job. We are supporting this family and you are just talking about others. But in fact, actually, if we have a true a real campaign, if we should have a real campaign in Australia, that campaign should be against the whole industry, you know. So what we have in Australia, we have a detention industry. So this detention industry has many the elements, many companies are working, many people are working there. So they want to keep this uh, industry alive. We should uh, have a campaign to actually destroy the whole industry, not only for a family. You know, of course, it's important that this family, this story has shaken the Australia. But now that right now that I'm talking with you, 14 refugees in Australia in detention in Melbourne, they are on hunger strike. And those refugees have been in indefinite detention for eight years. So I have this question from people, from, uh, you know, that why, how you uh, react to only this family and you, which is very true and you should do that. 
how you support this family, but in the same time, you don't care about these refugees who have been in uh, indefinite detention for eight years. And I know that some of these refugees, they have been separated with their families, with their kids for many years. But of course, it's very difficult if you talk about this, it's very sensitive. People react very negatively. They say, that, oh, why you, uh, you know, of course we, we should support this family. Of course it's important. But this family only is one example of uh, many stories. I think that is very important. It's very, and I think it's very simple to understand. We'll be back in a moment. As a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest, Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Beirut, we're talking about the coalition government's approach to asylum seekers and the way in which they're trying to reframe what they're doing as compassionate. But wanted to ask you as well about the Labor Party in Australia, the opposition, because there are a lot of similarities between their policies and the coalitions. There's been essentially bipartisanship on this issue for a long time now. Yeah, I think that is another issue that uh, many people really don't want to uh, talk about it. But we should always say that that Labor Party has been supporting this cruel policy towards the refugees. But people don't want to accept that because now the shadow of the minister, Christina Kinelli, uh, she actually, that was very incredible, that she visited the Christmas island. And I, when I look at it, actually, I look at all of this as a show. You know, it is a show off, you know. These people, these two parties, they have established this policy. And for many years, this Labour Party has been supporting this policy. There's no substantial difference in border protection policies, whether you're Labour or Liberal. That's, that's absolutely right. correct. Um, we believe in, 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 in strong borders and, and, and ultimately we arrive at that position as a matter of compassion because uh, the loss of life that we saw on Australia... You know, just last week, Again, you know, Labour Party say that, oh, we support this. Well, we put in place offshore processing. Uh, that, that was Labour which did that. We put in place... So, I mean, there is a competition between these two major parties that who is cruel, 
than another one, you know. The, the coalition put in place a system of turning back boats, um, particularly between Java and Christmas Island, and that's a position which Labor supports. That is the regime, uh, those three elements together. Uh, that is a very typical kind of, uh, you know, playing politic that you create fake fear among the people, among the society, that if you don't support us, the boats attack our country. And as you say, these policies, they've been in place for a long time now. And in your piece in the Saturday paper, you ask this question of of why imprisoning human beings has become so normalised in Australia. And I wonder what you think the answer to that is. Why has it become so normalised? I think that is very related to the history of colonialism in Australia and the colonialism mentality in Australia, that for 100 years, you know, the, how they have been, the, I mean, the system has been treating the indigenous people. So that is, uh, has uh, actually uh, cultural elements and the psychological element is uh, related to that colonialism mentality. And if I give you an example, uh, you know, during that time that the immigration shadow minister, she wanted to visit uh, Christmas Island and uh, they didn't let her at the first day. Everyone in Australia were talking about that why they didn't let her to visit the family. But the main question was, why you keep kids in uh, detention? You know, that, that was the key question. But people were just talking about this, you know, that why they didn't let her to go and visit them. You know, that shows that in Australia is normalized. Now they say that these two kids, they born in Australia. That's why we should support them. It means that if they are not born in Australia, we are allowed and we have this right to keep any children or any kids in uh, prison for many years. But the key question is that you don't have right. No one has this right to imprison innocent people, not only kids, innocent people, and the refugees are innocent. Mm. I just had one last question, um, Beirut, and that's just about the the Murugapan family and the fact that their story is seen as this good news story in Australia. The government is caving to public pressure and they've now been able to to go to Perth where they're, they're in community detention. But is this actually a good news story for them? Do you have a sense of, of what might happen to them from here? Because their future is not at all certain, is my understanding. Yeah, I think what I understand, because it's not the first time that we have a case like this. Already we had, uh, have had some cases. And I think the Australian government always use these cases to play with the public. They are able to release them, but they don't do that because they need it, you know. They need it. And sometimes when people forget about this family for a while, they raise it again by separate them or, I don't know, play with them or give them a, like a temporary visa. You know, I don't know. They just play with them just to highlight it again and became a national issue uh, to hide something else. 
and I think unfortunately this family now they are you know I think they became a subject for the government for the public and that is a huge problem I think you know we they have been playing with this family and with public for more than two years and that is my understanding but hopefully through court system they release them and send them back to Biwela but my experience you know with this system that they use this story as a like a story to play with public yeah Beiriz, thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, have a good day. Late yesterday, three members of the Murugupan family were granted three-month bridging visas, meaning they can work and attend school in Perth. One family member remains in community detention. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today... New restrictions have been introduced in Sydney and surrounding areas after the New South Wales COVID-19 outbreak grew by 16 cases and spread from Bondi to the city's southwest. Half of the new 16 cases were linked to a birthday party in southwest Sydney. Among the new restrictions is a cap on visitors to households of five guests and mandatory masks indoors. Several states have now introduced border restrictions on New South Wales residents. Meanwhile, in Melbourne, restrictions are set to ease from midnight tonight, with hospitality and workplace capacities increasing and up to 15 visitors allowed in homes. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.